folks, welcome to episode 263 of Biomass, or at least that's what we think the episode uh, is referred to tonight. Uh, so my name is Jason, I'm, I'm one of the co-hosts here on Biomass, and we're doing like a little bit of lineup change. So uh, for those of you that have kind of like listened to the show for, uh, you know, quite some time, I think we're going on a fairly extensive window of time of putting out uh, what I would refer to as uh, a podcast slash recorded set of friends talking to each other. Uh, for quite some time. So, uh, like, we kicked off where I kind of hosted the show for qu- quite a while, or at least was the sort of the lead host. Um, I went away with work. Pokey picked it up. We bounced it back and forth. Even Jake, you know, correction, uh, Zell jumped in occasionally and, and uh, knocked out some of that. But we're, we're doing, like, a little, like I said, a little bit of a lineup change. I'll take it back over for a bit. Uh, Pokey Draven is, in fact, still here, and you will, you will hear his dulcet tones shortly. Uh, but... Uh, we are here for the Biomass Podcast weekly for apparently 263 episodes, and I'm going to guess probably 10 or 12 special episodes over the years. So we're getting into into the range of uh, you know near nearing the 300s, which we, we may actually hit before the end, year, end of the year, and we'll have to figure out something cool for that. Uh, but so the things I've been doing re- recently, I have actually cracked open Magic: The Gathering, the trading card game. For the first time in 22 or 23 years, maybe more. Uh, so my, my wife approached me and said, "Hey, I think uh, I think our think our son would like to play this game. What do you think? Do you know anything about it?" I was like, "Not much. I don't know. I, maybe I know a little bit about it." Um, so then I, I proceeded to like pool shark them over uh, some beginner decks of which I paid for that dearly because my wife picked up very quickly that I perhaps made knew a little bit more about the game than I let on. Uh, so that's actually occupying a fair bit of my time right now. And it's kind of a cool, fun, you know, gaming night kind of thing I can do with the wife and the son. So on that note, we will pass it around the table and let us go to the first on the list, the one and the only, the irrepressible, the magnetic, the un- just unbelievably positive and high energy Sarizel. Ladies and gentlemen, that's that's an example of how much you're not on his level. If, I'm, 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 if in fact you can't hear him. Like I'm just saying. If but, you can't like, hear him right now, that's a you problem. That's just that's that's where the that's the level that Zell operates on. So let us move on to somebody who's a little bit more low speed, a little bit more high drag, bait. There is certainly a lot of high drag going on tonight, but what's up, everybody? My name is Bate. I'm a genuine certified Florida man and uh, Northeast Florida traveler today. I've been doing a lot of driving, so that's been fun. That's awesome. You've you been playing anything recently, man, or just kind of enjoying the summer? Um, no, I just chill, and man, I don't really play video games much anymore. It's kind of weird. I didn't think, I think I talked about this the other week. I didn't think that I would see myself uh, kind of winding down. I guess as as life kind of moves on. Welcome uh, to welcome. adulthood, buddy. Dude, let me tell you what, man. <laughs> I have to take off work just to get drunk so that I don't have to worry about going into work at five o'clock in the morning hungover. It sucks, man. Being an adult is stupid. I, I I'm sitting here literally in a hotel room, traveling, playing a mobile game on my phone while I'm talking to you, other nerdlets about video games. I'm pretty sure, pretty sure, this is all going to come back on you. You feel it's okay. So, so you feel a little overwhelmed right now. I know being an adult is hard. You're trying to figure all this out, learn how to shave. It's it'll be fine. I promise you. We got you. We're here for you. I shaved earlier today. <laughs> all right, Pokey, what do you got, brother? Uh, I am Pokey Draven. I gave you the wrong episode number. We're actually on two sixty four. Um, so yeah, that's on me, but, uh, I give the wrong, uh, episode numbers and I've been playing a lot of Final Fantasy 14 cause the new expansion dropped a lot of fun with that. So I'm pretty much doing nothing but that lately. So are we restarting intros to, to have the right episode number? No, because like last, last week, and I, this is why I made the mistake is last week I said 262 realized mistake, re-recorded the first like two seconds of the show, like 12 times, try to get the pitch right and uh, fixed it, but we're not going to redo that for this one. So it's going to be 263 and a half. I, I, I applaud your effort and the level of discipline you apply to that, but I can assure you there is nothing that precise 
or granular about any of our podcasts that really weren't that. Pretty, but pretty much. Yeah, I, I, I basically did it once and then just played with the pitch and audacity for like 20 minutes and gave up. And it, it sounds pretty bad, but it, it happened. So we are in 264. I, I mean, the problem is, is you're going to have like biomass fanboys who are like quoting these episodes and they're going to get the references wrong because they're not going to know for sure like the episode numbers. There's going to be like fan arguments that are going to break out over what the true episode number of this week's episode and last week's episode really are. So it's all the millions and millions of biomaniacs out there that are like, you know, screaming and hollering, like, like desperate to see Pokey do his walk out and get the episode number right as they hold up the ring girls or holding, holding up the, uh, the number. He's jumping up on stage with his like, you know. Uh, you know, seven and a half inch pythons as he's like, you know, pi- hyping the air up. That's that's what you're thinking. That we've got we've got these this fan base that's clamoring. In fact, probably trolling us right now on the interwebs because we've uh, screwed up the episode number. By the way, I greatly appreciate your vision, like immensely. That doesn't that does worth you know for me and my soul, and I, I I'm all about that. But I appreciate it. So we got one more member of the cast before we actually talk about like stuff that we have on the agenda, or as they say in Germany, the agenda. Uh, Livy, who is actually the voice of reason on the show, because I'm burnt from travel. Uh, Jake doesn't care. Bates in college, possibly stoned. Pokey yeah. desperately just has a migraine and wants the, the episode to be over. So I turn to you, Livy. Please be that light at the end of the tunnel. Hopefully not the train. And just give us something to work with. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely the train light to the end of the tunnel. Enjoying this fabulous Monday that has been nothing but exciting for me. So, yeah. Uh, Even I sense the sarcasm there. This is awesome. It's 110 degrees outside. Hey, so so for the rest of the world that don't actually know this and maybe haven't listened to 260-some-odd, you know, episodes of the podcast, where perhaps, you know, just in what quadrant of the uh, uh, of North America do you and Pokey live in? Phoenix, Arizona. And that is a personal choice that I blame on nobody. But... <laughs> I was brought here as a child. I had no choice. I, but you stayed. But you are a grown woman and, in fact, have a family. And, and the two, in fact, Half of them are here on the show. I, uh, I know, I, but I can't I separate offer, the cactuses. I, I'm just saying, there's there's a lot of places out there: Seattle, Missoula, Chicago, whatever. Yeah, you know, I'm just I'm throwing it out there. Don't recommend anyone move to Chicago. Yeah, I'm like Chicago is like the opposite uh, of Chicago. It's too cold effing cold. I, I will have, I, I will give you that. You say it's too cold, but it is a like it's been like a balmy 95 all week. So, it's just funny because it's, it's, it's been really temperate here in Arizona. Like, this is the coolest summer I've had in probably a decade. It's only been like 95 to 110, it's usually 120 this time of year. I'd agree. I mean, we didn't actually hit 100 until after May, so we can't get any too much. So, so real quick, global warming was alive. It's that cold. So, in the whole part of like growing up and shit, do you just like talk about the weather when you're old, guys? Yes. Is that yes. how that works? Yeah. Yes, that, in fact, like, what we're trying to do right regularity. now. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's talking about the weather is is it's not something that happens like like intentionally. Like you don't think like, hey, I just crossed the age of thirty. I have to spend all of my time talking about the weather now. It just like your your it naturally increases over time to the point that um you know by the time you're Jay's age, that's literally all you can talk about. Well, it's a good opener. Like, so when I was doing consulting and, you know, they, you have to go and meet new people and crap like that. The first thing you're like, so about the weather just becomes a habit, I think. So, so this is interesting. Like, I, I find this is a good segue here. So when you were consulting and you were talking about the weather, I too also had kind of my stock sort of entry points. I would normally ask instead of about the weather, I would say, so how are the IEDs around here? Caught any RPGs lately? Um, it's, but it's it's very similar. It's it's almost exactly the same. I mean, almost, there's a lot of yeah. heat, a lot of sweat, people cussing. V- very common sort of sort of set of circumstances. So on that note, uh, since we since we've established that this is going to be one of those sparky little episodes, 
Um, believe it or not, we actually do have a real agenda tonight, a little bit we want to talk about. Uh, and this is kind of falling in line with some of our more re recent episodes where we kind of pick a couple topics and really kind of deep dive on them for a little bit more crispy show. And, uh, and, and we have two kind of meaty topics that, that do actually nest with each other. So tonight we'll talk uh, a bit about, you know, how sandboxes can be affected and shaped uh, in a game. And, and we'll use some, some real-time examples from a couple MMOs that are floating around out there. And, and that very neatly will kind of flow into the kind of the, the second half of the discussion, which is a little bit more on um, just an interesting, sort of an interesting topic that we see in gaming, but we also see it like touching a whole lot of our other, other parts of our lives in terms of um, the interactions with third parties or really the required interactions online uh, to pursue different type of things or services. Um, and, and again, these kind of flow together really nicely. So when you talk about MMOs, you, it, it is really that, you know, it's in the title of the, you know, in the title of the category, the genre, if you will, it's that massive multiplayer online experience that you have. And the idea behind MMOs is really a, a twofold. One, there's generally some level of curated experience, but that's normally really a gateway into the actual sandbox, if you will, uh, which is that open space that is uh, sculpted and crafted to allow some level of player choice at a macro level. When I mean macro, I mean at the collective, at the, at the collective player level, not so much the, um, like in the overall game design sense. Although that's, I, I would guess that's certainly a part of it, but in the collective, it is the total of the, the player interactions that would then potentially shape the world. Now, that's at a high end, and you have a lot of games that refer to sandboxes and things like that, and that's kind of a, a little bit broader term nowadays than it used to be. Uh, that can mean anything from weapon balance to uh, general interactions in PvE and uh, co-op sense. Uh, there's a variety of different things, but for the purposes of our discussion tonight, we'll refer to it as um, the environment that is set up by the game uh, and the developers that allow agency for the players or lack of agency for the players in some cases. Uh, so, so to that end, uh, I want to kick this over to Bate real quick. Uh, if he can kind of give us a little bit of a heads up, he's, he's kind of our resident, or at least relatively current EVE player. I acknowledge he just said he doesn't play video games anymore. He's given it up for adulting. However, we know that will change. Fast forward. Um, he is, I think, uh, probably the most current person in the EVE Online game. It's a long-standing MMO. A lot of people have heard about it, probably played it, and then most of us quit. Uh, that being said, it has a relatively small but very, very rabid fan base. And if nothing else, even though I've played EVE for many years, I, I do not play it. I, I probably won't ever play it again. But I find it fascinating to keep up with it, or at least pay some, some attention to it. So I'll turn it over to Bate because there's been some interesting changes in the sandbox uh, that kind of sparked our discussion. Yeah, so um, as far as is what's going on in EVE right now, um, so not too terribly long ago, I think this past update um, with the, the Triglavians, uh, the, this kind of like, I guess, new faction that, that's popping up in New Eden, um, CCP have kind of um, taken them out of this little bubble that they called the Abyssal Zone that, that they were in that you would encounter them, and they have um, allowed them to enter into uh, the high security regions um, of, of uh, New Eden, so they're scattered all across the, uh, the little galaxy there. Um, but so all, all this is happening um, over in Nullsec, the not-so-new-player-friendly area. Um, the Drifters, which were this kind of other, um, th this, you know, other faction that uh, CCP introduced, I think they came when Wormholes came, uh, whenever that was, um, more, than, more than two years ago, I think. Um, so the the drifters have now and from from what i understand it, it used to be that the drifters were only found um in in wormhole space where where they were aggressive and they would attack um other uh or uh, players 
now and and then they they did move them into they did move them into high sec um but they were passive they were kind of just warping from gate to gate system to system or whatever just uh scanning um structures and, and whatnot but now they're in null sec and they're attacking like big fleets i think i've seen i've seen people on reddit talk about like numbers of like 10 to i think 20 was the highest i saw or 25 um fleets of like 10 to 25 uh drifters that are attacking player owned citadels um this is a problem because nobody in nullsec is too happy about this you've you've got these big big alliances that are engaged in in in, in wars that involve hundreds of if, if if not thousands of people right um and they've dropped these wars to defend their structures um so it, it's kind of shaking uh, shaking up the uh the meta i guess in nullsec um kind of trying to break up some of the big blocks of of power if i had to guess um that might be what ccp is going for they might also just be going for you know new uh content for players um something different um a lot of people are upset about this uh like i said i think um the matani put out a a, a big like essay or an official mittens, mittens, called, mittens called it like boot dot any slash monocle level f up like he's he 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 expressed that he was seriously ticked well yeah because it sounded like and i'm not too terribly familiar with how world of warcraft works that's a more of a zell department but i think mittens phrasing was that ccp have made the game more like world of warcraft which is a game that uh that he came from uh and, and left because it like i said if i'm understanding it correctly he didn't like that kind of gameplay well um, well i i wouldn't say they're similar but like i mean the the principal thing is that um Matani and a lot of a lot of nullsec players their goal is to um they want to uh pvp um specifically so um this is pve content that's you know and eve has some pve content but it's optional and so this is saying you know this is him saying you know we want a pvp we were engaged in a war um my understanding is goons were actually um engaged in war at the time uh when this took started happening and they had to pull out and go home to defend their crud from these npcs and he's ticked about it because he'd rather be shooting other players than than shooting stuff ccp put together yeah it's almost like this really weird forced um pve and 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 that's that's very like it's the antithesis of of ccp uh of their goal with eve online right you think about eve online you think about you know being able to, to do whatever you choose to do when you choose to do it not not necessarily like okay i've got to go back and, and and defend my shit because ccp decided to you know force this content upon me that, that made me completely change up the way that i play this game now one, one quick note on that so just to kind of give folks listening uh, a little bit of perspective um and and i and just i i think it's because we're bait i think you're talking a little bit of eve shorthand mostly because you know that we we all understand you um the the drifters are this kind of uh this new relatively new faction it's a couple of years old now um they're 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 a pretty powerful pve entity uh, as a competitive you know kind of shit if you ever tackle one of these ships or anything like that, you know, to try to mess with it. They're, it's a tough fight for a small group. It, it actually is. Um, and they had a, a fleet of around a hundred, I think of these, you know, very, very large ships that were starting to lay siege to these structures. Now, now here's where this, uh, the thing that Eve is known famous for is these big space battles, but it's also the real time money involved. So for example, they recently destroyed a uh, a super carrier, a a player made and and owned super carrier. The, the estimated cost of that is 
you know, depending on who, where you look, I've seen it cited, you know, like, you know, 100 to 150, you know, U.S. dollars um, in assets, you know, like, you know, that you could be able to purchase or buy or something. I have no idea how accurate that is, but I can tell you that it, it, it would not surprise me if it was that or much more. Uh, these large uh, bases that Bate re was referring to, I, I suspect that you're getting into like probably a thousand dollars or more easy of that, that represents actual real cash spent in the game to construct this thing that do you guys think that that's a fair a fair i mean if you want to go for like isk value in in plex you're probably actually a little low um i'm not sure what the the current exchange rate is i want to say when i had a normal carrier when i mapped it out it would have been like Almost, it would have been a few hundred to, to just buy it outright. Yeah, I, I think know, I, fair, yeah. I know the plex rate is is skyrocketed a bit, so it you know it could actually be closer to being more affordable. The interesting thing is, and and I feel like this is worth noting here, is that um, you can't just like somebody did earn every bit of isk in game. It's just there is a there is a way you can basically buy game time in advance and then sell it to you know you can sell your game time to someone else for for um in-game currency so if you're making enough in the game you can buy your subscription effectively with uh with in-game and that's kind of how the money is exchanged but it gives you a, a, a you know reasonable idea how much effort is involved because there is kind of a, a translatable cash value um and and yeah, so there's there's definitely people upset because um, you know they just suddenly introduced this mechanic where it's attacking people's stuff, um, and and uh, either of you correct me if I'm wrong because I actually have not played in a very long time with any any reasonable amount of of effort, um, but I think they're saying the the ships involved in these attacks don't have them, but that some drifter ships they literally put like uh uh what's it called doomsday weapons like the titan class weaponry on on like battleships like they just uh it, it's i'm not i i honestly don't i i know that the ships that they're using it, it is or the fleets are an actual real threat to to these player made fortresses and stuff so i you know i i'm not sure how it works i do know that the mechanics of the drifter ships are somewhat different than you know, like player ships yeah i've heard they're a little op to begin with i've heard there's a couple bugs like sometimes they'll they'll warp off and be well out of range but for some reason they're still locked and can still fire um definitely some weird stuff there i th i think originally like when this first happened a, f a few days ago there was a lot more panic because I, I think people actually gave ccp a little bit too much credit on these npcs and figured that these npcs were going to like not just attack the structures initially um uh so to, to for for people uh listening at home um big eve structures have this system called reinforcement timers that effectively guarantee that someone can't just drive up and and take out your super multi thousand dollar property like in one hit um there's kind of a, a multi-stage process where you have to um shoot it and then come back and shoot it again and then come back and shoot it again and I guess there was an initial belief that, or expectation that these attacks would uh, would continue and attempt to completely destroy structures. And I guess they're a little more random, so the chances of them actually coming back within the reinforcement window to actually continue shooting the same station over again is actually pretty low. Uh, yeah, go ahead. So I, I, but it it definitely set people off into immediately thinking like, are I. I one of the conspiracies I saw hit the level of this is CCP's initiation of burning null to the ground and starting over. <laughs> and, and oh. that appears to be far from the case. Now, now that being said, I will point out that a few years ago, many of the people who were screaming bloody murder right now were bored and they're like, eh, nobody's really going to war anymore. We don't want to, you know, like, ah, we don't want to do anything. And, uh, you know, I heard quite a few of them, Posit that yeah they should turn on um, what what's the uh, what's the the NPC police the NPC uh, Concord yeah they should turn on Concord and have them raid into Null 
into the, the lawless sector or the, the totally PVP or the player ran sectors. They should like turn them on to shoot you on site if you are a certain faction or whatever in order to, to garner content. Uh, so a lot of the same people saying that, you know, literally many of the same voices that are longtime EVE players, big you know, faction alliance leaders, they were saying that a few years ago, obviously not so much saying it now. I, for one, kind of like this. I, I know it's, it's, it could be easy for me to say because I'm not playing, I ain't got real money on the line, which, and that's really the deal is there's real money on the line here. Um, the, the trick to this is you don't own, you, you are playing in a sandbox. And if you like, if you're a big faction, you like, you like to think you own the sandbox and you are driving the sandbox in your, in your own way. Uh, and and for, by and large, that's true, but that doesn't mean you're the only operator in the sandbox. Um, and there's, and again, I, I kind of laughed when you said that a minute ago, Jake, I, I kind of actually think that's not a bad idea. If you just cut these things loose and let them like, like, like cut a swath through the middle of the map of Eve, and then it required enemies to cooperate to fend these things off, you know, and, and forge new alliances and all that other kind of stuff, that's, that's some interesting content in and of itself. There's all that. I mean, that I mean, the Eve players really like to style themselves as having this huge Game of Thrones like atmosphere involved um, to the point where that that actually drove me away from the game because people took it far too seriously. Um, but I, I actually don't think it's a big problem. Uh, it's just another thing you have to deal with inside of the, you know, inside of the space. And there's always been NPC factions. You, you know, people just liked it because it was sort of, you know, PVE du jour is as they liked it on the buffet line of things to do. Uh, and, and oh, by the way, these, uh, these people beefing about uh, how much they just want to PVP, that makes real sense if you're the one who's dictating the terms of PVP. But if you've ever been one of the, one of the folks that got ganked, you know, or you know, ambushed or pirated or whatever, and you didn't want to engage in PVP, those same people that are saying, hey, this is bullshit, this ain't my kind of content, that was probably not those kind of people's content that you, in fact, took what could have represented real money away from them, too. So I, I kind of don't really care, and I think it's kind of a neat way of shaking things up. Uh, that's just my thoughts. I'm just kind of curious as we go around the horn real quick. Taking kind of, if you have some thoughts on the Eve thing, that's one thing, but I, you know, please share those. But just your general thoughts on what you'd like to see in a sandbox or not. Like, and, and I think we, we want to probably stay more on the end of um, the more open-ended style game, the more, you know, true kind of MMOE style game. What are the things that you kind of look for in a sandbox that makes things interesting for you? Um, if we just kind of go around the horn, I think that'd be good. Um, Pokey, do you mind if we start with you? Yeah, that's fine. So for me, I'm... I, uh... You could probably start arguing that I'm, I'm tending more on the, the Care Bear side. I'm not a huge like PvP or when it comes to sandbox games, so I tend to float towards more of the the PVE in in that sense. But I, I think in, in Eve actually is a pretty good example. But it's true for a lot of other games where I like when I know that there is not just like three paths to go when in my gameplay experience. Like there's tons of stuff you can do. You can craft. You can do and pve you can do pvp you can ship you know stuff across distances you can be a, a, a stockbroker you know for these player corporations pretty much um having that that breadth of things you can do and you can pretty much fill in whatever you know game equivalent role there is in that world you know having a lot of different options that's what's cool for me um because then i feel like i have a lot of agency in how my you know career path is going to be um, regardless of what that is, just having those options available, I think, is, is always refreshing. And, and that's actually kind of what, what pulled me to Eve in the first place was the, you know, quote unquote, you can do anything in here. And it's, it is to an extent, you know, kind of true. So I think that's usually a good thing for a sandbox style game. Okay, that's uh, fair enough. Uh, Bait? Um, I think for me, um, it's the, the like, I don't know how to. I don't know how to, to phrase it, but so like when I play Eve, I, I play in wormholes. Um, so, so things are very, um, 
like there's no there's no local chat for example so you can't see who all who all's uh in the system um so the only way to know if somebody's in system is for them to either jump you while you're running uh, a site whether you're you're doing some exploration or you're you're just doing uh you're killing npcs um and if you can catch them on your directional scan which is kind of how you see what's close to you um you see them and you know they're there and then you can you can assess the situation and, and go from there you know um have your options open as far as you know killing them or or, or getting away um but that aspect of having to stay on my toes i like and and for some reason i i don't i i don't find that in a lot of sandbox games but uh there there have been a couple um i think that that uh have done that um and that's something that that i like so so would you classify that as um like so that's more about content that's just it's just the challenge of it or yeah 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 you could say that the 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 challenge of it i guess yeah okay all right i think that's fair uh livy what are your thoughts see now i feel bad that's not my genre of game (laughs) um i don't think i have extensively played anything that would be in the sandbox category okay that's fair uh what would be something that would attract you to a game like that that you you would like to experience then Mm, i guess it would have to be uh, i don't want to say a topic or maybe i don't know would seven days to die be sandbox yes absolutely i like i like like that that. um that's kind of uh, if it wasn't so difficult to play so in that game it was just it was extremely glitchy and it was just hard to you know keep momentum with it but I don't know. I don't know what would attract me to want to play those types of games more. No, we do like RPGs though, right? For the most part, I think Final Fantasy, I like that game. Yeah, I, I would say that the, you know, in my mind, a lot of, a lot of RPGs attempted to be, uh, you know, sandboxy, but certainly over the years, they've gotten better with like player choice and things like that. I mean, which is is noticeably different than an actual sandbox, a legit sandbox. So I'll grant you that one. Um, let's see. Zell, what do you think, bro? Zell, can you hear me? I think hey, he's hey. okay. Am I still on, guys? No, you are. You are. I think Zell's okay. on that high level again. Oh, awesome. Okay. So, well, I'll, I'll, I'll pick this one up. Um, in terms of sandbox games, so... I I do like when players uh, when you are allowed to operate at the collective level. I, I do like that a lot. More importantly, I like it when when whatever you're doing has like weight or or carries over time. So it's not like a fleeting activity. So if you think like a like a Call of Duty game, you know whatever happened in that match, it's it's over like the instant that you get your score screen in that match. And uh, sandbox games, I like it when you affect the world around you uh, or, or the world changes based on what you're doing and how you interact in it. That, that's one of the things that attracts me. Um, and, and I do like the ability to, to just sort of choose and map my own path. That said, I, I think there's a fine line. Like you can go like full on sandbox where there's like no controls, which in and of itself presents some real challenges if you if you want anybody to play your game uh, more than because the, the price of entry into the game will be so high uh, particularly the fun factor which is why in a lot of games where you have a deep sandbox there's sort of the quote-unquote beginner area and then you kind of get can choose to get released into the wild and you're sort of prey for everybody else if, if you don't get sucked up real quick um, so that's just one of the things that, to, that I'm not I'm not sure about yet because usually when I see games like that, it's just it, it can take the fun out of it, particularly for some because I normally, uh, particularly nowadays, like I play a lot solo or I play in very, very small groups uh, because I don't really have the time uh, or, you know, or the, the commitment level to join like a big guild or a clan or, you know, some kind of thing like that, you know, because you, you know, because you feel like this pressure to really 
try to support that collective group. I just, I just don't have the time for it anymore. So uh, I tend to, you know, what gaming I do is, is predominantly solo or like I said, with a very small, like, you know, couple, three people. That's where MMOs break down a little bit is the ability to let players like me who enjoy that world actually access it in a way that they can, they can kind of, you know, kind of stretch their leg, their digital leg, so to speak. Um, Jill, I'll try, I'll circle back to you, brother. Uh, any thoughts? He's literally giving me the John Cena, you can't see me move right now. Okay. Uh, so I'm kind of curious in, in regards to the sandbox MMO piece. Um, what are the games that, that you guys thought like really nailed it for you personally? Like what's an example of something like a sandbox game that you liked a lot, but that just really struck a chord with you? Um, I'll actually kind of pick this up because Louie brought up a good example with uh, Seven Days to Die, which admittedly was a glitchy mess, but I think the, the spirit of what was there um, was, was really quite good. And if you're not familiar with the game, it's a zombie survival game, but it's a group setting. So you've got, you know, uh, you can have a lot of people on the server or you can have like a, a private server with just a few or by yourself. But it's like a Minecraft style building where you have to collect resources, um, make food, and you build defenses to, <clears throat> um, you know, protect yourself from, from the zombie hordes that come every night. And then every seventh day, it's a huge wave, you know. And uh, what kind of worked for me is, is, again, I tend to shy away usually from open PvP in that setting. So I, for survival games, I just like to focus like on cooperative, um, you know, survival setting with a couple friends. But, you know, that aside, you know, just even having that ability to choose, hey, I can go onto a PvP server or I can just do a co-op game if I want. And kind of having like that group setting where you're, you know, working together, you're kind of specializing in different skills, got some RPG mechanics to it. Um, like, you know, hey, you're focused on building armor for the group. You're going to focus on, you know, building <clears throat> building materials. So you can make like really good concrete to help build our base up. Um, and, and kind of being able to have that cooperative spirit and choose, you know, like I said, dozens of different uh, uh, career paths within the game and, and deciding what's the best way to kind of spec your group out. And having the ability to do that was, was actually a lot of fun. We had a good time with it, <clears throat> despite the, the game being... Uh, challenging to play in terms of, of how stable it was, but I think the core of what they were trying to achieve there was was pretty solid. So I, I enjoyed that part of it. Let me be able to expand a bit further because she did mention that before that she liked that game. Oh, that sounds pretty good. I've actually heard I've heard of that, but I just really didn't. Um, I don't think I've ever actually picked it up. It was pretty interesting. Uh, Livy, what do you think? What's uh, what's one that really kind of what's the closest thing? I guess you know. I know you mentioned kind of Final Fantasy, but you. Anything else kind of fit the mold? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm totally the opposite of Pokey. So um, <laughs> whenever whenever our crew wants to go play Seven Days to Die, I'm kind of on board just because I don't know. There's something satisfying about going around and like chopping down plants. I don't know. So <laughs> <laughs> crafting, building, um, I think that... Uh, what was the best part? Actually not building shelter and running from, the, I don't know. It, it has to be uh, adventurous and there has to be some level of crafting. I don't like too difficult. I like to turn off my brain when I play those types of games. So, you know. No, yeah, I can totally get that. Bate, what do you think, man? What's what's the kind of the, the sandbox game that maybe like kind of touched touch the, the best nerve with you? Honestly, bro, Minecraft. I, uh, really I, you know, I was actually kind of waiting on that one. To be honest, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. It's a great little game, dude. I like that Minecraft. Um, like, I don't know, man. Like, booting in into a world and just like, I don't know. Usually, when I play Minecraft, man, I go from where I start and I walk like however far I walk for like I don't know, ten minutes probably, in just a straight line as best I can. Um, and then I'll set up shop in, in, in whatever direction. And then from there, you know, do I dig a cave? Do I go fishing or, or whatever? Um, so that I, I, I do like about that game. Um, and I, I could honestly sit there and, and like break dirt for hours and get nothing accomplished. Um, but I mean, that I, I think that's what's cool about it is you don't have to, um, to build anything elaborate, you can dig into the side of a mountain or dig 
into the ground and and, and be pretty well uh, set for the most part. Um, so yeah, Minecraft, dude. Yeah, no, I'm kind of I'm kind of glad you brought that up. I was thinking about that. Like, so I, I don't play Minecraft, but I watch Minecraft a lot because I have a ten year old, um, and, and because I have a ten year old, I watch a lot of Minecraft videos with him. I am continually amazed at how creative that game allows you to be uh, and the things that you can do in that game. It, it is, I do not, I cannot think of another game that replicates the level of uh, open-ended creativity that you're allowed to have in that game with what they can do with a, a relatively simple engine. So I, yeah, I would say that might be, that might be the, the you know, maybe the most impactful MMO that I've seen, even though I personally have not played it. Um, and, and I'm fascinated by watching it and seeing what people can do in it. Um, in terms of an actual, like, broad sandbox scheme that, that I've enjoyed, um, I I kind of struggle with this a little bit because I've, I've played in sandbox games, but because often when I was getting into them, I was more of a solo player. I didn't have that great of experience with them. Even though, the, like the game world or whatever, or the fe- the setting would be incredibly fascinating, and I, and I would I could see there's a lot of elements of the game I liked. I didn't have that many that really really did it for me, just because it was I really didn't have the time or the patience to get into some, you know, den of nerdlings and have you know like some like 500 person guild or some shit and you know take take over the you know the the elven sky mansion woods or whatever. Um, that being said, I, I like I said I think Minecraft is my favorite to watch in terms of one that I played. Um, I dabbled in Warcraft for a little bit for about a year. Um, and, and it was certainly not consistent play over the course of a year. I did enjoy that. Now, I, I, I would suspect if, if, if Zell were on and he would hear, or maybe even you guys, he would challenge whether that's like how sandboxy that is, particularly compared to something like Eve, um, which is fine. But like for me, it was like one of my initial exposures to that style of game. Um, it was cool. It was okay, but again, I you you almost get into this sweep of hat where you can't feel like you're really impacting or doing anything unless you are part of a big collective. And if you're, you're if you treat a game more like a hobby, that probably works really well for you. But I, I just don't like I don't have time for hobbies. Like I just that's not something I have the capability to to enjoy right now. Um. So so yeah, I, I think I'll vote with Minecraft. I'm kind of with you on that one. So, real quick, guys, unless you guys had any other uh, kind of thoughts on this one, I was wondering if we could kind of transition over to kind of the secondary topic, which is a bit related to this. Any, any parting shots? Not over here. We're good. Okay. So, we'll, we'll do this relatively quick. Um, and this is something that Livy actually brought up. And it kind of blended really nicely with the, um, you know, kind of the MMO topic or the sandbox topic which is sort of the need for everything you're doing to be online. Now, we kind of always take this, you know, from the angle of the gamer first, and, and I don't know if anybody's noticed lately, but there's not a lot of off, offline games. You know, like uh, most of them require some level of a connection to the Internet. Um, you know, even if it's not a PvP game or whatever, there's a lot of things that, that generally that's just how those games work, how games work. Some of that is the mechanics in that um, games are increasingly moving to the side where you download a little bit of game, but a lot of your game, whether that's a level or an interaction or whatever, is really just data packets being moved, um, which does a lot of different things for me on the mechanics side of how a game works. Certainly in anything with PvP, there's online interactions, but most, most games, even those that are intended to be you know, you could play basically by yourself. There's a significant online action to it. And when you start looking around, uh, there's a whole lot of things that kind of require you to have some level of connectivity to some other third-party activity to just do basic functions, uh, whether that's a TV, a car, a wristwatch, you know, obviously your phone, it's kind of a thing. It, there's just an increasingly number of things that are just required for optimal functionality or to function at all to be online. I hadn't really thought of it, but it is interesting um, that, that that's sort of like a daily requirement or starting to be a daily requirement now. I, I know for me personally, uh, I, I do actually cherish the time, as I'm, by the way, sitting here talking to people over an iPad 
remotely, you know, using all kind of neat high technology to have this chat. Um, there were a lot of times where I really enjoyed uh, having zero technology like this. And now I was using technology, but I was very focused and in, in the moment and, and for extended periods uh, for like, you know, hours, days, weeks, uh, where there was no real like digital connectivity per se. It's not that I wasn't using technology, but it was not in a way that, that in, in terms of what we're prescribing, um, it was almost more like an old rotary dial phone, but it was a digital one, so to speak. Whereas it was basically a, a, a strict communication piece and you really, for the most part, weren't using it. Um, you, and I was very, very focused and I really enjoyed it and I absorbed my environment better. But as I look uh, based on Moby's comments today, our world is definitely different than it was five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 and so on. And I'm just kind of curious about your guys' thoughts about this, um, you know, in terms of how, how it's making you kind of see not just gaming, but kind of, you know, things in general uh, in terms of technology. So, Livy, I'm going to turn this one over to you first, since you're the one who teed this one up for the team. Uh, so what, what sort of made you kind of spark that comment up in our chat earlier? I'm trying to go back to think about the context of what I sent. This means for great reason. I, I, I think kind of what a lot of it started was a conversation Livy and I were having in the car the other day. Um, and I forget what product we were talking about. I think I might have been talking about... Uh, how we've like moved our bank account to our phone rather than having like a, a debit card, um, which isn't exactly on topic for this, but um, it was just kind of me kind of musing idly about um, how we don't, we, we own things that we don't actually own the rights to use. And I think my example was like the, the Tesla cars that the car requires a link to the Tesla cloud to function. So you've purchased a car that will actually not work if Tesla goes out of business and no one picks up that that service. And it's just, it's kind of a bizarre way to think of it because before it's like, you know, you, you, but you buy a car, you've got the car, you drive the car until it breaks or you sell it, right? But now you've purchased a vehicle that requires the existence of a third party entity for that vehicle to function. And it doesn't need to have that necessarily, but it's built in that you have to have that connectivity to the cloud to function, even though the car is totally capable of, of, of running on its own. Um, and it goes true for games as well. Like, you know, we, we download digital copies of games. Um, and I think it might have been Nintendo just, just a few years ago where they shut down, like, the Wii store, I think, because, like, Nintendo has a different store for each, each platform rather than one centralized platform. And they basically said, like, okay, you, you bought these games digitally, but we're going to close the store down, which means you can't download them anymore. So unless you have a locally saved copy, you will not be able to get this game anymore. So it's like you bought the game, but you don't really have the game. You have the right to access the game online. Um, and it just kind of sparked the conversation that in, in many cases we have things that we purchase nowadays that we aren't really buying. We're just kind of buying access to or we're... We're, we're still reliant upon the company we bought it from for it to function. Um, and it's, it's definitely a shift, I think. And it's not just games. Like I said, like the, the car is a good example of it um, where you, you can't rely on. I mean, if, if we, we were, we're, we're hoping that, hey, that Tesla will still be in business in five years and they may not be, you know, they, they could go under for whatever reason. And now it's like up in the air of, okay, is someone going to pick up the rights to the system and it's going to, you know, keep the cars running? Is someone going to let it sit there for years and all these cars are, you know, bricks? Like, what's going to happen? You, you don't have that certainty anymore that the car you bought is going to function for the lifespan of the physical vehicle. It's dependent upon another factor now. And Tesla's kind of funny, but, you know, going back to the, the shift of how we're looking at the product life cycle differently. And so the product dies when the server dies now versus, you know, if I bought a physical copy of a game, as long as I have the hardware and as long as that works, I still have access to it. Where now, for whatever reason, whether it's to make sure that they can, you know, keep their, their, their profit from only allowing one user to have access to a game at one time under their account versus when we used to spam the CDs out and let our friends download it. Um, or if it's really just because there's more um, opportunity to have 
the you know cloud-based systems the online stuff I, I I'm, not, I'm still trying to figure out you know why it's it's more where you know like say playstation is going towards the you know download it they give you incentives to download over getting a physical copy i don't think it's for environmental reasons i think it's because it saves everybody money they don't have to do the the production of the actual materials you know downloading something i can imagine cost them close to nothing but they're still profiting as if they were selling you the hard copy and so our well, paradigm is shifting to we're almost the last you know little bits of last generation that has the the mindset of we should own the game versus we own access to the game and when say the server is done or the service ends then our you know product ends with them and and i think that the younger generation is a-okay with that because that's all they know yeah no i i can see that a little bit um like e even nowadays, I mean, if you go down to GameStop, like a lot of times you ain't actually buying a disc, you're buying a, a box with a game card, you know, like a game code in it. There is something a bit odd about that to me. Like, I, like I'm like i actually pretty comfortable with digital, digital stuff. I mean, um, it, it depends on what it is, though. So, for example, like the vast, overwhelming majority of, my, of the music that I own or the media that I own is digital. It's all literally in the ether. Um, you know, thousands and thousands of songs and, you know, I, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm all in on that one. Now, what gets a little bit more funny to me is when it's something that's, that's, you know, for lack of a better term, less concrete. I know that's a horrible term based on what we're talking about, but when you're talking about like uh, access to a game that is tied to a system, right, that, that is that's a little bit different in my mind because my music is my music is my music and I can actually transfer those files to any different number of ways to access and play that music, for example. But if I buy a PlayStation 4 game digitally, I generally can only access that thing on that PlayStation. It's, you know, I, I have access to it through a given exchange mechanism. I don't actually own that like I own the music, so to speak, um, you, you know, that, that I would secure digitally from any number of different ways. Uh, does that, does that kind of make sense? Yeah, well, it does. But, but then again, we have, um, you know, I pay for, we'll say Spotify. Well, I don't pay for it. I leech off my parents. But, you know, like the Spotify, um, you know, you can download all the music it's not really yours. You still pay for the service. So I don't know. It, yeah, that's... I, I, it's kind of weird. Cause like, you know, by you buy an iTunes song, you can't download it from your phone onto your computer and save that, you know, MP, whatever it is now file and use it in a different application. Oh, there might be. Legally. Can you still <laughs> I remember my old man before he would go out on deployments would burn his fucking iTunes library to a CD and there was an that, option. Can you still do that? that? You can do that. I mean, that's, can you do that still? Thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, man. I haven't burned a CD since high school. Mm -hmm. No, no. Hey, so check this out. No shit. I actually used to make mixtapes. Hey, oh. What a fucking nerd. Make a playlist like the rest of us, bro. Get with the times. Dude, no, you used to have to like day, set up what you wanted. Mixtape. Oh, and then you were like, that was like a baller move when you made the mixtape CD version. You know, about yeah. the, the five people in high school that had CD players and laser printed a cover on it. Okay, that that was a bit much. That's that's going over the top. My, my dad had one of those. He was so fucking proud of it. Never used it once. <laughs> Y'all are way too old to be my friends. Holy shit! Welcome to adulthood. You'll be here soon. <laughs> Oh Lord, this is gonna be good. So uh, anyway, <laughs> sorry. No, I think the Spotify one though uh, that that Livy was talking about was the one that like that that really I don't know struck a chord with me because the video games, man. Honestly, I don't really care about the video games. I mean, digital, physical, I'll take it. However, um, but like the music, I I, I don't know. I, I hadn't really thought about that until until she said something just now like that made me go whoa yeah that's you're right <laughs> um so yeah that's that's huge for me at least 
Yeah, absolutely. So, I, I, like, overall, it's I do find it for, you know, for games to be able to access and play a game because they require uh, the ability to send ba data back and forth. It doesn't bug me too much, but I think because we're becoming so used to having things connected and optimized continually, that's where the online component goes. Um, like, car, like I, I would tell you, if you buy a 2019 vehicle, like particularly a higher, like a moderate to higher end model, the amount of data exchange from that vehicle to the manufacturer is staggering. Um, mo the vast majority of people don't understand that. I was I was talking to Pokey about that too because part of my job was analyzing OBD data points. Um, and there are thousands of them and no one knows that their car is capturing those data points on them on a daily hourly basis as they're driving. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. So for example, um, on a 2019, like, you know, fairly high end Ford, when you go down the line of the things that it can capture, it's literally everything from turning signals to how, how often you dial to what series channel uh, how you use different features in the vehicle, your, your driving habits, uh, how the lane assist works or doesn't work. It maps your locations precisely. Um, any number of different things like the, you know, the general temperature that you have in the vehicle. I, I mean, it's just like, if you think that Alexa is reporting on you, you, you ain't seen shit compared to an F-150. It's actually your Impala. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's not it, it is it's pretty amazing, um, and you can debate whether that's good, amazing, or bad, amazing, or scary, amazing. It's just it is what it is. Um, but that data capture is also what allows them to continually tune those vehicles when the next models come out to be that much better. So there's a bit of a catch twenty two in there, you know, to be on, you know, just to be upfront with you. And a lot of what I do in my day job is is very centric to this in terms of how do you connect and, and wire things together so i work uh I, I joke about it on the show occasionally but a lot of my work is you know, deals very heavily with artificial intelligence and machine learning and how do you have hyper enabled uh, uh people or groups of people doing certain work uh, and hyper enabled is, I mean, that's a very specific term. It's not like a hype word. That's not literally not like a buzzword. That's, there's a very specific connotation of what we mean by that. And a lot of it goes back to your connectivity to things like information, the ability to make different levels of decisions faster, or access other, other tools or other, uh, capabilities on demand. And that's what that online connectivity has, uh, often, or that net or network capability has, particularly when you start talking about things that can help you decide things or things that can automate certain functions for you. Uh, so overall, it, it's just, I think, a fact of life. I mean, it kind of drifts. We, we, we see it in gaming because that's what, you know, that's if there's a hobby we have, it's if not gaming, it's talking about it. But it is pervasive in our life. So without, without too much further ado, uh, I'd like to kind of go around with kind of saved rounds on this topic, and then maybe we could blend that into shout outs. And I think we can call this one the night. Um, Bait, let's circle over to you first, buddy. Any uh, kind of closing thoughts on on this topic, or uh, you want to roll into your shout out? Um, no, no, not not really. Um, I, it's kind of weird, I think, for me. Um, you know, we we do joke about the the age gap, you know, that that is on the show more or less. But like, this is like all fucking normal for me. So, I mean, I, I don't really, I mean, yeah, it, it, it's weird to think about, but, like, think about that shit, man. I'm just trying to get an A in my class and, you know, do whatever. Um, it, it's not really at the, at the forefront of my mind. Um, like I said, it, it, it's just, that's just how it is. Um, but, I don't know, I, I, I guess I can imagine it being weird. Um being you know a little bit older and, and thinking back and 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 just seeing how things were different in this regard um and you know that'll be me in you know 20 30 40 years or however old some of you guys are um so yeah that, that that's my hot take on it um 
shout outs. Uh, oh, so today marks a great day in the state of Florida. And I'll tell you why. I can now legally grow vegetables in my front yard uh, thanks to a, a new set of laws that, that went into effect today. Uh, one of which was making it illegal to text and drive, but who cares about that? Um, but growing fruits and vegetables in my front yard is pretty important. So shout out to the state of Florida for doing that. Can can we help? Can I ask a clarifying question? <laughs> what what was the problem with growing vegetables in the front? That's what I can't figure out. So like so a like, statewide HOA or something? That's what it's. Oh, okay. Oh, do you mean like for real vegetables? I literally thought you were talking about like grown kush. No, 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 no. Like I legitimately thought that this was you like trying to open up your own like artisanal like weed shop or something. No, dude, this is like fucking tomatoes and shit. I can grow that in my front yard now, um, which is nice because most of the sun is in my front yard and I've been trying for like two months to grow shit in my backyard and it's kind of working but yeah this is no this isn't actually this isn't like dope or, or weed or, or whatever you, you want to call it dude this is like tomatoes you can grow hemp in florida now though so there's that oh that's uh, so is it legal there uh fuck medicinally in some places so legal ish all right uh, okay all right fair enough um uh, are you are you about wrapped up on that bait? Oh yeah, no, dude, I'm done, man. Talked about my. Okay, okay, cool. All right, we're gonna move over to any mini money mo pokey. <laughs> Sorry, Libby's dying over here with my my off the off the uh, my comments. <laughs> um, I, I said, is it is it is it a cloud based marijuana or is it require an internet connection? That's totally legit. <laughs> cloud based weed service that is phenomenally. There good. you go. I appreciate that greatly. Just just download your. I don't even know. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think Bates inside into this topic, uh, not the cloud based weed, the um, the whole cloud based everything else. Uh, it is interesting because I, I kind of, when I was talking to Libby about this, I said, yeah, it, is, it all started with me going, I don't really want to put like the whole like, you know, credit card or debit card on your phone thing. Cause I'm like, I don't know if I want like a wireless, you know, debit card. Like that seems like it's not secure, but everyone does it and you don't see everyone getting ripped off. But you know, it, it, it just makes me feel a little uncomfortable. It's cause it's, I'm so used to having like a physical medium that I, you know, you, you stick the, the chip. I mean, I just got over like, the whole like chip in the slot thing. Right. Um, so going to the, the phone thing was kind of weird to me, but I also admitted like, you know, in five years, I'll be using my phone as my primary source of paying for things and I'll just get used to it, you know? And, and I think that it's, it's going to be the same thing for, for, you know, uh, gaming and, and all the other things that require an internet connection, like regardless of Google Stadia is going to take off or not, um, I think it's weird that you are buying a game you don't actually have access to unless you pay a separate fee to, you know, uh, to, to access. It, it's, it's really weird to me. Um, and it, it's it's not something I'm comfortable with, you know, where I, I want to at least be able to download it to a piece of device I have at my house or have it on a physical medium at my house that I can access this thing. Um, but you know, with, with cloud-based gaming or Stadia, you know, if it works or not, it's going to happen eventually. And I think we're all going to have to kind of get used to the idea of, Hey, you don't, you don't pay for games directly anymore. You're, you're, you're paying for the right to access the game. You're buying the game. You're buying almost like a license for the game. It's kind of like, you know, when you buy an operating system for your computer, you aren't buying a copy of the operating system. You're buying the right to use one instance of that operating system. And I think gaming is going to be kind of the same way where you're not, you know, getting access to an actual physical copy of it. And we're just going to have to get used to it. So I think that it might take five, 10 years, but it'll become prevalent um, ultimately. And you'll still have some legacy, you know, uh, medium around, but I think we're still going to move that direction and it may make us feel uncomfortable now. And, and I'm not a huge fan of the idea, but, you know, like I said, in a decade, it's going to be the new norm. And, you know, Bate will be saying, you know, you old people need to get over it and just, you know, jump on the Stadia bandwagon. So, you know, I, it'll be interesting to see how it how it goes. But I think we're going to get there eventually, no matter what we uh, like or dislike about it. Yeah, that 
like I, I've just had an image of uh, Back to the Future too, so I can see Bait in the far future uh, getting castigated by you know kids that are twenty years as younger. What do you mean you had to use hands to play your video game? You didn't just use your mind to move the controller or some shit like that. They used to use like TVs. Everything's VR yeah. now. Get on, get on I'm, my level, old guy. Um, but I, like, so I, I don't have a whole lot of parting thoughts on this one. I think I, I kind of wax on, not so much eloquently, but like continue to wax uh, <laughs> on that topic for a little bit. Uh, for a shout out, I guess. Um. I don't have a lot of shout outs tonight because I'm, I'm frankly tired from traveling. No, no. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to whatever asshole designed the Washington DC, like ground street system, whoever you were, I desperately wish that I could punch you in the throat. Uh, that being said, I know it's really like a conglomeration of probably hundreds, if not thousands of people that helped design the absolute spaghetti bowl mess that is the greater DC Metroplex area from a traffic standpoint, legitimately coming out of Washington Reagan airport today, trying to get to a hotel, uh, for 13 miles away, which was 50 some odd minutes of driving. Uh, notice what I said there. I felt as confused or as frustrated driving as I have felt since probably 2007 in Baghdad. Uh, I can remember there was one night in particular where we were trying to get to a place and then out of a place, uh, in a very limited window of time. And it was the most painful navigation experience I've ever had in an urban environment. Uh, this was rivaling it. The only thing that made this come in a clear number two and not really challenge number one is nobody was shooting at me. Uh, but it was damn fucking close. Uh, so anyway. Thanks. Whoever you are, my personification of bad streets design guy, here's to you. Uh, you know, back then, I think they were just trying to uh, connect streets as they could. I don't think they actually had a grid system planning back then. Was the 1800s? When they oh, no, 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 no. This, trust me, this is all modern shit. This is not. I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. No, 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 no. I've actually seen the original map. Of... Oh, we lost him. Or it's like cut, cut out. It's the gods uh, fucking with him for shit talking DC. They pulled him back into the portal. Yes, ma'am. Hey, yo. There he is. Hey, yeah, I heard that. <laughs> fucking whippersnapper. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go over and get my, get my HGH and my, my like uh, steroids on so I can keep up. That's, that's a joke, sort of. Uh, all right. Well, I think we're going to call this one. We're going to wrap this one up. We went a little bit over time, but I think it's good. It's probably a, a, just a fun conversation on, on a couple different uh, sort of meandering yet somewhat focused topics, or at least broadly focused topics. I love how that works out. Hey, I have a broad focus. Uh, actually, I had somebody brief that to me one day. And I was like, how, how doth you have a broad focus? Notice this is also the guy that referred to the weather, as, as we're talking about weather, as having scattered darkness until early morning. Uh, I'll let that one sink in. So on that note, guys, thanks for joining us on Biomast. Uh, we are back. We are generally a weekly show, as you guys all know. We, in fact, do not have a Twitter handle for the show, but we have all Twitter handles randomly that we will not probably announce at this point because uh, we've covered them extensively. Uh, but, again, we thank you for joining us. And, as always, if you do have comments, hit us up. Uh, we have a lot of different venues where we can do that. Uh, we, we always are eager to hear from folks. Uh, other than that, I'm sure we're going to be, be back next week. We don't know what we're going to talk about. So if you got an idea, please let us know. All right, guys. Good night and good luck. Bye.